We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast for part of the Blue Wire Network. I am Ricky O'Donnell. I am here, as always, with Jason Pat. And unlike a typical Cash Considerations episode, Jason, we actually have winning basketball to talk about. The Chicago Bulls are on a three-game winning streak since the last time we recorded, starting with a thrilling victory in overtime over the Milwaukee Bucks, 120-113. That happened last Thursday, a week ago today, as we record this podcast. Jason, dare I say, the most entertaining Bulls game of the season, the most entertaining game, regular season game in a while. I'm thinking back to, of course, the DR DeRozan game in the opening round of the play-in tournament as sort of the highlight of the mid-three era. Well, this was something close. Without Zach Levine in the lineup, without DeMar DeRozan in the lineup, Alex Caruso hits a ridiculous three-pointer and descended into overtime. Bulls get the job done in OT. They beat the Bucks in an Adrian Griffin disaster class. People wondered, could the Bulls keep this rolling? Is DeRozan re-entered the lineup? We knew Zach was going to be out. Well, couple nights later, they played the New Orleans Pelicans. Bulls win again, 124-118. The Pelicans, of course, now in the semifinals of the in-season tournament. They were coming off a of back-to-back during this game, Jason, but credit the Bulls for taking advantage of them. It was one of the better games of Kobe White's career. Kobe pops off for 31 points on 8 of 13 shooting from 3, adds 6 assists, adds 9 rebounds. That was sort of the breakout Kobe White game. Uh, and then a couple days later on Wednesday, the Bulls beat the Charlotte Hornets in a battle of two Eastern Conference bottom feeders. The Bulls just looked like a better team than the Hornets. Obviously, the Hornets don't have LaMelo Ball right now. Levine's still out of the lineup for the Bulls. But, you know, DeRozan played again. And the Bulls were, you know, just the... 
the better, more disciplined team in what was overall a pretty sloppy game. But Kobe played well again, 19 points. Uh, DeRozan and Vooch each over 20. And uh, Bulls are on a three-game winning streak now, Jason. So, Jace, the question everyone is asking is, are the Bulls better without Zach Levine? I'm going to pose it to you. Are you buying or selling that the Bulls are better without Levine? I would say they are better without the version of Zach Levine who has been mailing it in to start this season and the injured. Uh, I don't want to say allegedly injured. He's clearly injured. Zach has always been one to play through. Uh, and obviously, like the new big news after last night's game was that Zach was ruled out for three to four weeks. And everyone hears that. And given the trade stuff, everyone goes to, oh, they're basically holding him out. Until he gets traded, because that three to four weeks, if it's four weeks, that almost lines him up with that January 15th date that we've talked about a lot. And that's when, like, the Lakers can trade some of their key guys. De- December 15th, a week from now, is when uh, a lot of free agents become available. Uh, and some of the Lakers guys do, too, like D'Angelo Russell, some of their other free agents. But January 15th is when I think Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura become available. So, like, everyone's just go, oh, Zach's, Zach's just going to sit. They're sending him home. They're just telling him he's not playing. Zach did address all of this today uh, at the Advocate Center with the reporters. And he said, obviously, obviously, well, I mean, he's not going to sit there, obviously going to put on good PR spin. Who knows what's actually legit here? I do believe that he is actually hurt to some degree. It was weird. And, and again, Zach basically said, you know, like, I'm going to play for my team. Like, I tried to go out there and just it got worse. I got I think he said he got a PRP injection, which leads you to believe that it's something serious. The ty- The way this has been presented is very strange. Just because uh, a couple days ago, Billy Don was like, oh, he's getting a lot better. He's doing much better since he was diagnosed. Like, And he's optimistic about coming back soon. And then a couple days later, now he's out for a month. And just with the whole the timing, with the trade rumors, the trade request, the dates, everyone's just like, oh, like they're just sitting him out. Regardless, back to the original, are the Bulls better without him? They've obviously played better without him the last couple of games. And again, I think you would, I would say they are better than the version without him or without the version of Zach that we saw to start the season. The just lollygagging, bad. I mean, I wouldn't say maybe bad, just like just the version of Zach we saw at the start of the season is not the locked in, engaged version of Zach we've seen at times the past couple seasons. Uh, and he was just much worse on both ends of the court, not nearly as efficient. The defense, very lazy. The defense, much worse. Uh, so just both ends, the Bulls look like a lazy, disinterested team, and it kind of filtered down to everybody. Vooch has lo- played much better for the mo- the second the the uh, Pelicans game. His numbers weren't great, but that was like a vintage Vooch performance against the Bucks. He like had like what twenty nine, like twelve, and like five and six, like a dominant performance against a good Bucks defense. Or not a good. I mean, I guess the Bucks defense isn't that good, but against Brook Lopez, uh, who who can is often a guy who who's a, a great defensive player individually, and then he was pretty good last night. So like he's looked a little more reju- rejuvenated. You mentioned Kobe White's been playing great. The team just kind of playing with a little more verve, some zhuzh, whatever you want to call it, ball moving a bit more. The defense has been better. I don't want to go too much or take too much from a, sh- a short stretch of games. Uh, there's always danger in just putting too much into a small sample size. Bad teams play good stretches of basketball all the time, unless you're the Detroit Pistons or San Antonio Spurs, apparently, who have both lost. I think like 15 or 16 plus in a row, the Bulls play the Spurs next, <laughs> coincidentally. But uh, we see bad teams go on little stretches like this all the time. We saw your Chicago Bulls in, what is that, 2017, after training Jimmy Butler, start a season 3-20. and 20. 
get Nikola Mirotic back, and then win seven games in a row. But we knew that team sucked. Am I saying this Bulls team is like that? Not necessarily. Uh, But they have played a little better lately without Zach. And I think, again, with the version of Zach that was kind of bringing the whole, that was just not engaged, not all there, like that version of Zach was just kind of bringing everything down. And we know that the Zach, Damar, and Vooch trio is just kind of clunky in general. So with that clunky trio plus Zach just like not giving a shit, that version of the Bulls was fucking terrible. And the version of the Bulls we've seen the last couple games is a bit better. Do I think they're actually good? Do I think they're going to keep this up? Eh, they'll probably be pretty mid the rest of the season, I would guess. Uh, the Bucks game, the Bucks gave like a C or D effort. You mentioned Adrian Griffin disaster class. Um, some really head scratching moves on the Caruso three pointer. Uh, just the what they were running down the stretch. Uh, the Bucks just weren't like the Bulls deserve credit for winning the game. The Bulls deserve that game. They almost lost the game. The Bucks have done what they do a lot this season. They basically whatever lollygag through three quarters of a game, then take over late and win. And it almost happened. The Bucks erased like a seven point deficit in a minute and almost won before Caruso's heroics. But the Bulls deserve to win that game. They played better almost all game. They played harder. They tried harder. The Bulls deserve that win. Bucks were also awful in that game. So like, so on the Pelicans game, legitimately, I mean, just great offensive performance. Love to see I mean, Bulls finally get some shooting, a big shooting night where they take seven or they take 43s and make 17 while the Pelicans are only eight of 25. You mentioned the Pelicans were on the second of a back-to-back. They had no CJ McCollum. They had no Trey Murphy who had just returned. Zion hadn't played in a back-to-back all season. So like the Bulls were actually, I, I think the Pelicans were favored that game. I actually thought the Bulls were going to win that game just with how the schedule was set up. Um, and they did. And it, the, Pel- the Pelicans led a lot early and they kind of reeled the Bulls back after the Bulls went forward, went ahead after Kobe kind of went on his heater. But then the Bulls down the stretch, they just rain in threes. It was great to see a Bulls team just rain threes. Uh, and it was Kobe. I think DeMar hit a late three. Torrey Craig hit a late three. Great to see them win the game. Legit win. The Hornets game was just a joke. I mean, the, the Hornets are garbage. They're crap. Bad in general. No LaMelo ball. Bulls did what they have to do. Uh, I know the first half was really ugly. It was 48-44 at halftime, but the Bulls took control of the game in the third quarter. Uh, I was never really in doubt. I know the Hornets made like a little run, but I mean, that's the Bulls were never threatened. So like long story short, (laughs) the Bulls are better without Zach Levine when he's pouting, when he's being lazy, when he's garbage. Like if Zach actually came back later in the year and not traded and he actually was engaged and healthy and playing well, like, would they be a bit better? Would would that the answer be the same? Probably not. Would I think they're actually be good? No. I think we've seen enough with this team that they are still mid. Again, mid and bad teams go on winning streaks all the time. It happens in the NBA. Other teams play bad. You schedule luck. And the Bulls getting very getting pretty lucky here, getting the Hornets and now the Spurs tomorrow uh, as these two games off the in-season tournament. So, again, that's a long way of me saying that uh, – do I think they're better th- without Zach Levine when it's like the peak version of Zach Levine? No. But with this version of Zach Levine that we have seen this season, it does seem like they might be. But again, this is still a very small sample. Yeah, Jason, I think they've mostly won because the schedule has been really easy. Charlotte just sucks. Uh, New Orleans, you got them on the second end of the back-to-back. If they're rested... And they're all, these have all been home games. These all been home games, too. The Bulls are like 1-8 and eight or 1-9 and nine on the road. I think they're like 7-6. and six at home so they've been competitive at home so getting all these home games i think has also helped when you say competitive i just hear ak saying it and i just get <laughs> mad and angry uh so is this team good yet i'm not ready to say that and jason the schedule is getting much harder 
very soon. They play the Spurs in their next game. And then they play Milwaukee, Denver, at Miami twice, at Philly, Lakers, Spurs, Cavs, Hawks, Pacers, Philly twice. And that's like basically takes you into the start of January. So you got one more winnable game left. And then you get the rematch against the Bucs. You would think the Bucs would be up for that game, but you never know with this Bucs team. They certainly like to play down to the competition, certainly like to play with their food a little bit. Uh, but I think like we're going to get a decent picture of what this team is without Zach Levine by New Year's Day. For right now, it's kind of crazy at eight and 14. Of course, that's a crappy record, but they're only one win off last year's pace when they won 40 games. They started nine and 14 last year. And Jason, suddenly me and you and everyone we know, are we back in business for our over 36 and a half? Let's go placed before the season. Jason, I hope not, because you brought up the seven game winning streak that I was, of course, going to bring up heading into this podcast. And while we can talk about like, you know, how the Bulls weren't that good that year and they still won some games. Really, the legacy of that winning streak is it took them out of position to draft Luka Doncic or Trey Young or any of the other studs that went, Jaron Jackson, any of those studs from the 2018 NBA draft. Now, the 2024 NBA draft is not nearly as talented as that group, but as I look at the standings here today, there's a good handful of teams that the Bulls are probably better than, even without Zach Levine. They're obviously better than the Pistons, who are just horrible. They're better than the Wizards, who are losing on purpose. They're clearly better than the Hornets without LaMelo Ball. We just saw that play out before our eyes. The Spurs can't win a game. The Trailblazers are, like, sneaky competitive, but the Blazers openly tank in the second half of the yeah, season they're each of the tank last two years. The Jason, they've won seven games combined after the All-Star break each of the last two years. Combined. That's the Trailblazers. So you know they're tanking for draft position. And then you got Memphis. You know, they're 6-14. and 14 They'll right get better now, once Jaws like, back. Yeah. Exactly. Utah but is still, kind of a sneaky tank candidate. They've been awful. And I think Lowry's been hurt. They suck. They got they lost by like 30 something to the Mavs last night, or might have even been I they lost by that. 50. They lost by was 50. It? Oh, Jesus. I, I think I saw when they were down by 30, and then I didn't look at the score. I know Will Hardy just said that they had like served up a magnificent plate of dog shit or something like that. He was <laughs> he was not happy with obviously when you lose by 40 or 50. Uh, it's a double loss. Yeah, the Jazz have been bad. They're, I mean, the Bulls blew their ass out earlier this year, and that was even with Lowry playing. So, like, it's a bad team that really doesn't have any like guard play. So, like, they just stink. So that that's a possible tank candidate as well. And the Jace, Bulls are probably better long, than them. Long story short, we're getting the seventh pick again, <laughs> yeah. and this team's going here's, nowhere. So here's, and- but here's my question. I guess before we talk about maybe other implications here in this draft, like, how big of a difference do you think there's really at this point if they're sixth first like ninth seventh like are you are you fretting are you like fretting draft position for this in this season in this draft no not really and i'm gonna have a mock draft on monday at espionation.com i already have the board done i have not started writing the article yet so i'm putting myself on notice by claiming (laughs) on cash considerations that that article is publishing monday i already have my board though so you can look for that on espionation.com and uh, no, I'm not too worried about the difference between six and nine this year. I'm really not. But, you know, you'd always rather have the higher pick. You'd always rather sure. have the better odds to land the top pick. Who's the top pick this year? 
it could be you if you have a strong December because everyone in this draft class kind of sucks. I do have some takes on who the best players in this class are and who is the best player in this class, but I'm going to make you wait until Monday at SBNation.com to drop the uh, mock and drop the board. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Let's talk about Kobe, Jason. Hold on. Before we talk about Kobe, though, other implications, though. Here's the, I think, thing that some Bulls fans, and maybe you, maybe me a little bit are concerned about is that will the bulls winning some games here influence AK's decision-making on the rest of the roster as in DeMar DeRozan, as in Alex Caruso are the two main guys here. And I think we've already seen some rumblings here, but uh, the bulls not wanting to trade those two guys that they want. And when we saw even before this winning streak and now after this winning streak, I think I saw Kali write about it. I think KC talked about it, about how AK wants to see how this team does. With after trading Zach Levine and kind of just keep all these guys together and kind of roll through with it. And we've talked about this. How I mean, trading not trading DeMar would be, I think, a huge mistake given he's going to be a free agent. Crusoe, probably also a mistake just because, again, we talk about having giving teams. I mean, he's got like the peak of his value, giving teams suitors two playoff runs, uh, getting just max value out of him. Obviously, you would have him next year too. You could trade him kind of whenever if you wanted to, but. These two guys, like even with the Bulls playing a little better, I, I unless they somehow start winning all these games, like also these games coming up against Heat, against the Sixers, against and they actually like start making a real push, like even then, like I mean, how good are they going to be? I mean, they have like a ten seed ceiling right now. Uh, I believe they're like three games out of the tenth spot 
or something like that. Uh, that's really what their ceiling is right now. Uh, all the other teams in the East, I think, are over 500. Other teams, I mean, they might fall off, but like the ceiling right now is 10, maybe nine, like at the very best. So like you still need to trade these guys. Like even if you look better and you can trade those guys and obviously still you see what Kobe's doing. We'll talk about Kobe in a second. Like it gives Kobe a chance to again continue to blossom. You let Pat continue. To, he's playing a little better. I mean, you could keep Vooch around. Totally fine. If Vooch wants to go juice his numbers up the rest of the season, maybe you juice his trade value a little bit. Like, that's totally fine. But DeMar is going to be a free agent. He's going to be 30, what, 435. There's no reason to keep him on this team other than, what, veteran leadership? Like, whatever. Go get the get some trade value out of him. Crusoe, same thing. I've, we've seen I've seen people people have talked to me, and I, I saw our guy Mark, uh, Karen Silas was arguing with people earlier today because people are like, well, whatever you trade Caruso for isn't going to be like as valuable as just having him around to be a veteran leader and do what he's doing on this team. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like you can keep veterans on the team. You can keep Tory Craig around to be a vet leader if you want. You want to keep Javon Carter around to be a vet leader? You can. If you can get a ton for Caruso, you got to do it. That's just like with where this team is and where they're going and like the assets you might be able to get. If you can get a young player with who can maybe end up being better than Crusoe in a few years, or you get a draft pick that maybe can turn into something better than him. Like it'd be one thing if the Bulls were a legit contender. Like you're obviously not trading Alex Crusoe then if you're if you think you're going to be a contender in the next year or two. But with him coming up in free agency pretty soon, too. If you're getting a if you can get teams into a bidding war and get a ton for Crusoe, why would you keep him to be a 10 seed, a nine seed? That just doesn't make any sense. Ricky, are you worried that this winning streak? And if they just start playing better, if they continue playing better and they kind of float around, whatever, a few games, like kind of where they were last year, a few games around 500, a few games below. Uh, we saw because this did kind of happen last year. The Bulls, remember, were 11 18, and 18 at one point last season, and they had just lost by whatever, 40 or 50 to the Timberwolves. And we thought, oh, this thing is cooked. And then they kind of turned it around and they didn't do anything. They just kind of kept moving forward with this team. Are we going to see that happen again? Obviously, I think Zach's traded no matter what, but. With the other guys. Yeah, because Arturis is an idiot. And he's shown <laughs> us that time and time again. Arturis just never thinks one move ahead. He can only see what's directly in front of his face. And he has so such incredibly low expectations for himself and for the organization that if there is any path for him, if there's any way for him to convince himself that he can do nothing He has shown us that he is going to do nothing. So, you know, yesterday we got Billy Donovan saying Alex Caruso should be an all-star. Kobe sort of echoing those sentiments. Today, Casey Johnson writes that it would be painful for the Bulls to part with Caruso, that they don't want to part with Caruso. Bulls, you absolutely have to trade Caruso. And I'm not saying you give him away. No, you're going to trade him for a haul because there are so many teams that can convince themselves that Caruso is sort of a guy they need to help them compete further in the playoffs. So there's no scenario where the Bulls are like trading Caruso for like a middling package. Caruso is going to get you some legitimately good assets in return. And the goal should not be to get the 10 seed. The goal should be to build the next very good Bulls team. And that's what Arturis has to remember. And that's what Arturis has to get into his fucking head, that the 10th seed is not good enough. Yeah, if you get the 10th seed, you can play your way into the playoffs. That is still not good enough. That should not be the goal. And Caruso has is a phenomenal player. He's basically a Joe Kim Noah 
level, lovable Chicago Bulls. Yeah. We love the guy. And yeah, it will be painful to trade him because it's a joy to watch him every single night. I mean, I he mean, has he won bodies. I was say he's legitimately won them like multiple games a season. Like not, not I like to say by himself, but he's five of said that three pointer against the Bucks that made him five of six on clutch threes. And like basically all of them have been like actual clutch threes where it's like final minute or like final seconds. And he p- ties the game or puts them had there was that one, the Raptors game. He had the game winning three and uh, in overtime, the heat game that I believe the game was tied in like the final minute or two go ahead, three pointer. Uh, think there was another one and another game where I think he hit a big one where it was a close game. So like, I mean, he's just playing incredible clutch basketball and we know like, the defensive plays he's made. I mean, and also in that Bucks game, he stole that inbounds pass uh, and got it to Patrick Williams for dunk. I mean, he's been making so many plays. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you there, but I just wanted to bring up that Crusoe three point stab because he's been insane. He's having an incredible season and he's shooting like from three, like 48% overall, not just great in the clutch. He's been great overall. The volume's not huge, but it's higher than ever. So like, his value is as high as it is, and he's playing through Knicks, and he's clearly been hurt. He's had the, the toe issue. He's had other things. Like He's playing playing through injuries, and he's still playing at a really high level, uh, and you just you don't want to just like basically play him all these minutes and just get him hurt on a team that's going nowhere. So, Ricky, back to you on AC. They have to trade AC. They have no choice but to trade AC, and Arcuris needs to realize that he fucked up last year by not trading DeMar at the deadline because... That's when DeMar's value is at its peak. Now, when you're trading DeMar this year, you know, we kick around trade ideas. What can they get for him? They're not going to get a first-round pick for DeMar. They're they're unlikely to get him a first-round pick for him because he's an expiring contract after this season. Crusoe under contract for one more year on a very team-friendly deal. The team acquiring him will get two playoff rounds with him. The Bulls have to trade him, and Arturis has to trade him because it will help you build the next good Bulls team And keeping him on this team doesn't do anything for you. And let's say they do keep him, Jason. Let's play this out. Okay, so then, you know, you either get the 10 seed and make the play-in tournament this year, or you miss the play-in tournament more likely. All right, then next year, now he's an expiring contract. Arturis still isn't going on to trade him because Arturis never wants to do anything. But Caruso, his top priority in free agency a year from now is going to be money. He just my hasn't made big, that much money my last in deal. his career. And, you know, he's already 29. He turns 30 this year. He's going to be 31 as a free agent. I just wonder if there's enough money in the world for Caruso to resign here. Because <laughs> this guy is meant to be playing winning basketball. And the Bulls have no chance to build a good team around him with him still on the roster. And then it's like if they do resign him, let's say you give him $15 million a year. Let's say you give him $20 million a year for four years, whatever it is to keep him. At that point, then he's going to start losing his effectiveness. He's already like hanging on to being an elite player by such a thin margin because of just his lack of skill. So like the guy has to go 100% balls to the wall on every single possession, even in practice to be this good. Once he starts to slip physically a little bit, uh, he's like, not he's the, the guy, guy. like if the, we saw this yeah. we saw this with Noah this literally happened with Noah we you know we all love Noah but the injuries added up he slipped and then you know the Knicks were the ones caught on the hook with such a bad contract for Noah also Caruso's constantly hurt like even this year you see him and he's like got half his body parts wrapped up on the bench they absolutely have to realize 
they need to cash in this chip and trade him. And Casey Johnson wrote, oh, it's hard to part with him when he's the best thing they've done, when he's the best for agents. Like, no, what you have to do <laughs> is parlay that into building the next team because this team sucks. So they absolutely have to trade Caruso. If they don't, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> and I don't expect them to trade him because Arturis doesn't want to do anything. When given an option to either like improve the team or try to get future assets or just look at his fucking phone and not do shit, he's going to not do shit. He I think if they're, if they're close enough, every, yeah, if, yeah, I say if they're close enough, I think to the play to the 10 seed, I think he's stay. Caruso will not be traded. I would would be my guess, which is a huge, huge mistake. They have to get rid of him. They have to get assets for him and they're going to get good assets. I'm not saying give him away. I'm right. saying that you're going to get a good package for him. So they have to trade him. They have to trade DeMar, I would think. But now DeMar's kind of balling. Like, if you're only going to get seconds for DeMar. I think, you know, I think you might be able DeMar? to still get a first. Like, I think someone might be willing to give up a first. It won't be a great first, but, like, you can probably get, like, a lotto protected something, like, in the 20s. I mean, you don't even need lotto protected. If it's someone, anyone trading for him is going to be a contender. It'll be a pick in the twenties. I think you. I think some team would be willing to do that for an expiring Demar. I would love to see them trade Demar. I would love to see them trade Caruso. But Arturis is totally incompetent. So they're I'm locked very, in on the ten, baby. Do it. They're they're locked in on the playing race. They think if they can stick around, that this team they still have it. That if they get in the play and they can make the playoffs, and then anything could happen. That's, that's. I mean, it's what. That's what AK has said. Now, I mean, some of this reporting might be posturing. It could be, but just based on track record, AK, this team wants to compete. They want to be in a position where they could possibly make the playoffs and see where it goes from there. So, like, if they're close enough, I think they're probably not going to trade those guys, but you never know. We'll see. And we'll see. Again, this upcoming stretch of games. I mean, the San Antonio game, I think, is interesting tomorrow. They've lost whatever it is, 15 or 16 in a row. I think I think if they lose tomorrow, I believe it ties a franchise record for most losses in a season. The Spurs are a weird team because I feel like they should be better. They have not good, but like they have Wemby, they have whatever, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, some other interesting guys. I know the Jeremy. So is it Sohan or Sochan? I don't know how to say his name, but uh uh whatever. The point guard experiment there is just like a disaster. But I think like going to San Antonio could they could be a little frisky. Don't want to set this record. I feel like the Bulls have had some weird games in San Antonio. That I would consider it kind of a trap game. Obviously, Demar, it's like a, whole, a reunion for him. So like I would say it is not for sure that the Bulls are winning that game tomorrow. Even then, after that, the Bulls could easily then lose like four or five in a row again. And if that happens, then I think like you're clearly looking at maybe making some trades. But if they are able to hang around and they beat some of these games, like they go to Miami and win a game. Uh, like I don't know if they're gonna beat go to Milwaukee and beat them again, but like whatever they beat, maybe they beat the Lakers, uh, or they maybe win one of the Sixers games, and they kind of just hang around and they win enough of these games against good teams, they'll absolutely keep these guys and just kind of play it out. Would be my guess. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anyways, we don't want to spend too much more time talking about that. Let's talk about Kobe White. You wanted to talk about Kobe. Ricky, what do you have on Kobe White? Yeah, I think Kobe's been really excellent lately, and uh, he's just gotten better, you know, just week over week. And I just love the approach from Kobe because watching Kobe in the beginning of this season, was I terrible. was super frustrated was with him. I thought yeah. he was shooting the ball terribly. It didn't seem like he could, like, maintain his defensive improvement from last year with a bigger minutes load. I really wanted them to start Javon Carter over him, but – you know, credit Billy Donovan for sticking with this guy and for believing in Kobe. And what we've seen over the last few games has been someone who actually does look like a foundational piece for the Bulls moving forward. I'm not saying that the Bulls shouldn't draft a point guard because Kobe White is their point guard. I'm not saying they shouldn't, uh, you know, take a shooting guard because maybe you see him as a two guard. But what we have seen is tangible improvement. And to me, the best thing about Kobe his always his best NBA skill has always been his ability to get shots up, which sounds like a silly thing, but like you do need to be talented to even like get a lot of shots per minute per possession in the NBA. This is not easy work against NBA defenders, and Kobe's always been good at getting shots up. Now, Kobe has also always been a streaky shooter, and we've seen that throughout his career, and right now he's on an absolute heater. He's gotten his three-point percentage up to 40%. He's never hit better than 38.5% in his career. What I would love to see more than for Kobe than anything else is consistency in the jump shot because, you know, while, like, it's it's a make-or-miss league for everyone, and everyone needs their guys to shoot better if the team is going to win, Kobe, to me, feels more dependent on his three-point percentage than most guys because, you know, his best skill is getting shots up because, you know, defensively, he's always going to be short-armed. He's always going to be kind of weak physically. Uh, But there were a couple of videos floating around uh, over the last week that just, like, really impressed me with Kobe. There was an account, I think, called Bulls UK or C-Red UK, something like that, a Bulls fan account in England, that found a video of Kobe working with an off-season trainer on his dribbling move and then basically implementing uh, those moves in the Pelicans game. You saw him have, like, the throw-ahead dribble, snatch it back, hit the three. These were things that he wouldn't be able to do, I think, earlier in his career. Uh, And he's always been a good shooter, but just never a great shooter. So lately, Kobe is on fire. I believe he's like top six or seven in the NBA. He just set pointers. He just set the Bulls franchise record for most games with three three pointers in a row. That was he said that last night. Such a made up record. It is. But that's nine, nine straight games with three three pointers in a row does point to 
a, some consistency, getting it up yeah. at a high level, and then also making them at a decent level. Because we've seen we've seen Kobe go on heaters before, where he has like four or five games where he just shoots like sixty percent from three, and then the next four or five games he'll shoot like twenty percent from three. We're now at nine straight games here. He makes three straight threes, and like some of those, maybe not always the best shooting nights. Uh, but to make three, to have nine straight games of three threes in a row, I believe Lowry Markin had had the record before. Uh, that's showing at least some consistency. Like, can he do it for now weeks at a time? Can he keep up forty percent shooting for a full season? Um, that is going to be a big question. Mark. His two point shooting has is way down this season. I think some of that was just he was so bad to start the year shooting wise, and it's now finding starting to find its level while also coming up. Like, I mean, the fact that he got up thirteen threes in that Pelicans game. Awesome. Like the Bulls he didn't even take that many threes. The Bulls again taking 40 threes, taking 15 more threes than the Pelicans in that game was huge. We've complained so much about the last few years about the Bulls just constantly losing the three-point battle. The Bulls, again, the Pelicans, the, the Bull, the Pelicans are basically the Bulls in that game. They only took 25 threes and made eight, and they got smoked by from three. Like, and they lost that game by what four points? Like the fact that the Bulls dominated the three-point line in that game was why they won that game. And that was basically because of Kobe White. He got them back into the game when they were trailing by double digits. He hit some big ones down the stretch along with those other guys I mentioned. So, like, that's great to see. The Bulls need him to be getting up. He's at, I think, over seven per game now. He needs to be shooting nine to ten threes. Again. We, we, like we talked about with Zach, now especially with Zach out, you need Kobe White taking ten three-pointers game. Absolutely 100%. Yeah, and his finishing has also really fallen off this year. Like, his finishing last year, and this is just a basketball reference, 67% at the rim. The year before, 66%. This year, 57%. So, like, that's just not a good number for a guard. Now, he's getting to the rim more than ever. He just can't hit those shots. So, I'd like to see the finishing from Kobe improve. And Kobe's also just never been a guy who's going to, like, get you to the foul line a bunch. But he did get five free throw attempts. Uh, in the last game, he got six against Milwaukee in the overtime game. So, you know, if Kobe can just like find a way to finish at the basket a little better, I think that that would be a big key for him. But uh, one thing I liked from Kobe is he credited, I believe his name is Peter Patton, That's the right. shooting coach. He said, you know, I've always been a good shooter, so no one ever really looked at my shot. Well, that's true. He's always been a solid shooter, but, you know, there's levels to this, right? Yeah. And there's a big difference between a 42% shooter and a 37% shooter. And what Kobe is doing lately looks like someone who is an improved shooter. So thank you, Bulls, for finally hiring. They fucking did coach. it. <laughs> I mean, talk about, like, you did the absolute bare <laughs> minimum. Like, it took him so long. We've so, a- we finally got Kobe a shooting coach in the fifth year of his career. Like, <laughs> what is this organization doing? But I'm glad they did it. Kobe credited the shooting coach with him, uh, you know, improving his jumper this year. So I think that's great. And Donovan also had a nice quote on Kobe where he was like, you know, when Kobe's really good is when he gets off the ball. And I thought that that was really interesting from Billy because it's like, yeah, you're starting Kobe a point guard. Like, I do think Kobe's gotten better at playmaking this year. I think that that's been like uh, a solid area of growth in his game uh but really like what you need kobe doing is letting that thing fly that's and shoot threes baby. he shoots three so uh him being able to get off the ball and then relocate get it back the relocation three is such a weapon and kobe's been really good there lately so yeah how, are you how are you feeling about kobe like is your perception of kobe as a player is it starting to change because 
you've been pretty critical of him as we've yeah. been doing this podcast, Jason. Uh, but it's it's been nice to see his growth. And like, are you expecting Kobe to actually continue uh, this surge of hot play, or do you think you know he'll eventually regress back I mean, to I, what he's always been? I do think it still need that kind of remains to be seen. I don't want to say regress because maybe he has like legitimately turned a corner again. We've seen it before. We've seen him go on these heaters before. Can he sustain it? Will he end the year over forty percent? I think I would still guess no, but he certainly makes me feel just a lot better in terms of just how he's playing. So like, um, so yeah, I mean, he has been much better and we've seen some, we've had some high highs. We've had some pretty low lows with him. Uh, I mean, beginning this year, he was awful. Him being him and Pat being so bad to start the season is another reason. It wasn't just Zach, but like those two guys being awful. Like we've talked about if the bulls are going to have a good year, like Kobe and Pat need to take a leap. Uh, and they were ter- they didn't not only stagnate, they were fucking terrible to start the season. And that absolutely played a role in the Bulls being so bad and like we're, we're even worse than expected. Now that the, now that Kobe's been playing much better, Pat's been playing a bit better as well. They're having some positive shooting regression. I think that's absolutely just helping them be look like a just a more competent team and not one that is just completely fucking garbage. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to say Kobe's going to regress. I guess if he could actually keep this up and if he shoots. 40% from three and he maybe gets up to like eight attempts per game. Like that's a great season. That'll look like a, a bargain of a contract. Like do what would I still like want like Kobe to be like the actual like point guard of the future. I don't know about that. Cause again, he has really struggled from two he, even like, I mean, yesterday what I think he shot, like I think his overall shooting percentage wasn't great, but like it was relatively efficient because he hit enough threes got to the line a bit, but like Kobe's still probably like a bottom half bottom tier starting point guard in the NBA. But again, like, He's becoming a really just can be a really valuable player to your team on a reasonable contract at whatever twelve million a year or whatever it is. So hopefully he continues. He is a fun player to watch, especially when he gets going. And just having like some aesthetically pleasing basketball is also nice, considering how just garbage the Bulls have been and how how much of a slog it often is. Kobe brings his just the the quick strike three point shooting, just some of the joy that we see when he plays with the speed that kind of stuff. It's just kind of fun to watch. So like. Letting Kobe loose a little bit here with Zach out of the lineup has kind of been the, a breath of fresh air, if you will. And it just also feels like they're playing more through Vooch in a way that like Vooch always wanted to play this way, <laughs> but it was just hard for the team to do it with DeMar and Zach still on the floor. Now with DeMar back, I would say they are still trying to play through Vooch a little bit more than they were previously. His assist numbers aren't way up, but it does seem like he's getting the ball and then sort of like initiating uh, whatever the next action is going to be. He's getting some hockey assists. So uh, what do you think of Vooch lately? Like, same old story. I think that, like you at least said, let's keep him and see if he could rehab that value. So to me, Vooch has been a little better. Yeah, I mean, again, that Bucks game, like, again, was I was, I mean, after that Celtics game and some of those other games on the road trip, Vooch looked checked out. He looked awful. Uh, like that Nets game getting absolutely roasted defensively. Um and all that stuff. By the way, I just want to bring up actually one more stat on Kobe. Kobe's taking over five catch and shoot threes a game, and he's over forty percent, and he's been great. Which also means like his pull up threes have been also very good. But he takes a lot. He's been shooting great on those catch and shoot threes. So keep that up. Let's get even more temps up. Love to see it. Back to Vooch though. Yeah, I mean, again, he looks cooked. Uh, like all his numbers have been down, like across the board, his shooting numbers, his three point shooting is still freaking terrible. One, uh, I believe they all. I think KC tweeted about. Vooch working with Peter Patton. They're really pushing the Patton uh, 
storyline right now that how much he's helping the team. And clearly it's helping Kobe White. Vooch has shot a little better from three the last couple of games. I think some of it probably is just he was due to make some threes. He's not that bad of a shooter. Like this, he's been really bad this season too. But just in general, like I mean, the Bucks game was a monster game. That was like a vintage Vooch game, a huge double-double where he almost had 30 points while also I think five or six assists. The Pelicans game was a bit quieter, but again, the Bulls were doing a lot of three-point shooting in that game. And uh he didn't take that many shots, but obviously still they use him as a hub of the offense. And then last night he was uh, part of a, a solid team effort, a solid game for him. So uh, you do wonder if just like without Zach there, he's just playing, feeling a little more emboldened and just like getting with getting more touches. I do wonder like how he feels about Zach. I think we talked about this last pod about how I think Vooch has been openly frustrated with some of Zach's breakdowns defensively. I'm sure he is frustrated sometimes by just Zach's shot selection. So uh, I think just the bottom line is we just have seen that the Vooch tomorrow Zach trio has just been so bad this season for a variety of reasons, including Zach just not like giving a shit and not being engaged. Now that Vooch is just Vooch and Demar, uh, that Vooch is just kind of feeling a more feeling himself a bit more. Will this actually stick? I have no idea, but he doesn't look quite as washed as he was looking, uh, especially before this winning streak. Jace, so for the Levine trade, incoming Levine trade, do you think that he has played his last game as a bowl, which would sort of mean that they're not going to wait until the trade deadline to move him, that they would move him, you know, by January 15th or somewhere around there? Or do you think that, Levine will play another game for the Bulls. To trade him, does he actually have to like pass a physical? Like, can he even can they trade him now that he's out three to four weeks? Is that even like possible? Yes, pass physical. Yeah. So like, would he want pass one right now? <laughs> or like, is, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know how that plays into it. Obviously, you can basically like work out a deal right now and be like, all right, he comes back in a month. He's gonna pass his physical. Like, he'll be fine. This trade is done. Let's make it happen. I would say, I would guess that he has no he will not be playing another game with the Bulls. I'll say that right now. I think he's done. Uh like I said I do, I do think he's hurt. Um I know this maybe it's just a coincidence with this timing. Uh but it does kind of I I got is he this hurt? Man, I don't know. Like uh he is a guy who's always played through his stuff. So like I don't want to like speculate too much about that, but it just seems like with all the, everything that's going on between just how he's looked how he's looked the reports out there, all the stuff we've talked about already. And now like with this going on too, like this takes him to mid January, basically if he's out a month, like it just doesn't feel like he's going to play the team again. I mean, maybe he comes back, plays a few games and they move him, but it just feels like this thing's over, like totally over. So I'm going to say if that he, he doesn't play for the team again, I feel resigned to the fact that they're making a bad trade yeah. for Levine, because I do think you need to stretch it out longer to get teams more desperate, to get them more willing to like put their best assets on the table for Zach. And really like the best case scenario would be Zach can come back. He can start playing super high level basketball for like a month. Then you're at the trade deadline and then you could trade. But has the bridge been burned too much between himself and the organization? Uh, It just seems like we're barreling towards a really crappy Lakers deal, doesn't it? (laughs) It We're going to get D'Lo and Rui Hachimura (laughs) and nothing else. And that trade sucks. And of course, (laughs) Rui might go on a little heater and the Bulls will get the 10 seed and Arturis will pat himself (laughs) on the back for being a trade genius. While, uh, 
you know, keeping everyone else on this roster and re-signing tomorrow. Like whatever the dumbest possible plan is, that's the most likely plan for a Curse to take. That's what he's shown us so far in his career. So uh while I think like it's nice to see the team play without Levine right now, because Levine's not gonna be part of the team, you know, after this year. They're going to trade him. That's the one move Arturis actually will make. Yeah, it seems very clearly that he's gone. Like I think it just too. You, you, I feel like you just don't go this far. This much happens, and then the trade doesn't happen. It's usually but you can't happen. make a bad trade. Yeah, and it seems inevitable that they're going to make a bad trade. I get, the problem is that people is defend any, him and say, "Well, no one wanted Zach Levine." Right. I guess that is the problem. Like, is there a point where you're not making? Like, even if what if you if you hold on to him, like. Is a team taking him in the offseason? I guess he'd have to come back and be like absolutely awesome. Is that going to happen with the way like he was playing before? Like if he's not going to be engaged, maybe he'd come back and he'd actually trying to prove maybe he would try harder to like get off the team and he'd actually look good. Maybe. But like if he if he came back and just moped around again, like when he when is like the Zach like trade value actually going to be good again? I don't know. I think the trade value will be highest at the trade deadline. Because that's when teams will be desperate to make their last push to maximize their window for this year. So I think if they trade him before the trade deadline and they trade him before he plays another game for the team, that they're probably going to get a shitty return. Because it's fair (laughs) at this point, how many suitors really are there for him? I mean, right now there's like nobody. Woj was saying last week, oh, market is dead, totally cooked. And like we've heard we've heard like the teams that he would like to go to. But it doesn't seem like those teams are very interested. The Lakers, they clearly have to wait, and they don't want to trade Austin Reeves for him. Uh, the Sixers, they're, they've been pretty good. Seems like they're fine waiting around a bit. The Heat, we really haven't heard anything there. And then, like, we've heard some stuff about, like, the Pistons. Like, the Pistons are a complete joke. They're an absolute abomination. The Jaden Ivey stuff is just weird. Monty Williams is being weird. Like, and I think Bobby Marks went, I, I, I think it was on, like, serious, like, talking about, oh, maybe the Pistons. But, like, it would be kind of funny if you send Zach to the Pistons. I don't think he'd like that very much. But if you got Jaden Ivey and, like, a, a first-round pick out of it, like, sign me up, get it done, as we've mentioned. Like, take a chance on a prospect like that. Uh, so, like, I mean, yeah, that deal could happen right with- now. Like, would the, but would the Pistons – I'm curious if the Pistons would do that. I mean, Monty does not like Jaden Ivey. Like, I mean, there's no way they're firing Monty. So, like, if they if they think that thing is, like, totally cooked with Ivy – I know Monty did say the other day that – or last night that he needs to play him more, so maybe he actually will and he'll he'll show more. I don't know. But, like, the Pistons are so bad that I feel like I don't know if they're, like, that desperate to, like, think Zach Levine is the guy who's, like, really going to turn things around for them. So, like, it would have been nice if they were maybe, like, a little better uh, and maybe thought, hey, maybe Zach Levine could be the missing piece for our offense to like become like a play-in team. But they're just so bad that I don't know. But like some of these other, I mean, even like the Hornets last night, like they've been pretty shitty for a few years now, and like they need more talent around Lamelo. Like, would they be willing to do something? I don't know. Like, there's all these other teams that you could see, like maybe. But there's like no, there's been like no concrete rumors about any type of Levine market, and it's like you probably do have to wait at least a little longer for maybe stuff to start for other teams for more time, the desperation level next to a deadline. But I still, I honestly don't even know if Zach's going to come back and like play again before the deadline. He's out a month now. Uh, we'll see if the, how this foot thing goes like that, that, that if he's out a month, that injury takes him to basically, I think one month before the deadline. <laughs> I don't know. 
it just seems inevitable that we're getting D'Angelo Russell and Rui back and that that trade sucks and that, you know, the Bulls are not going to be set up well for building the next iteration of this team if they make a bad Zach trade. And what they should do is make a good Zach trade, hang on to him. I don't care if he has to play again. I know he doesn't want to play for the Bulls again. It doesn't matter. He's under contract. You gave him the max deal that no one else would have given him. He's got to get his ass back on the floor. He's got to play well. And then you need to trade him at the trade deadline for the best possible package you can get. And, you know, I would love the Pistons trade for Ivy. I think that that would be a really excellent trade for the Bulls. Otherwise, you got to target first-round picks, and the Lakers can't trade one until 2029. I know. And really, you should get assets back for taking their bad contracts, like Rui, maybe Gabe Vincent, D'Lo. So I just have no faith in Arturis right now, Jace. I feel like, you know, the Bulls winning this, having this three-game winning streak, this should be a good thing for us. It should be a good thing for the fans. And it is because, you know, it's been nice to see the growth from Kobe. It's been nice to see Pat uh, take a little bit of a step. It's been nice to see Io continue to play well. The Crusoe three-pointer was sick just to, like, watch and, like, be a fan, like, at the game. Like, it was a really the Bucks cool game moment. was amazing. Yeah. yeah. But Arturis has shown us that he always has the wrong takeaways, <laughs> regardless of the situation. So... I can't have any faith in Arturis to write the ship. Arturis needs to be fired. Arturis <laughs> sucks. And it just sucks when like something good is happening for your team and you're resigned to the fact that it's ultimately a bad thing because the front office is stupid. <laughs> uh, well, that's probably a good way to end this. Is there anything else you want to bring up? I think we've basically gone over just about everything here. Um, we, we are recording right now during a in-season tournament game that Habit started at 4 p.m. Central Time and 2 p.m. in Vegas. The Pacers up 12 at half against the Bucks, apparently mailing in another game uh, against a Central Division opponent. We'll see how that second half goes. But uh, in-season tournament coming to an end here. Uh, Bulls were obviously 0-4 in that, that, and that sucked. And uh, had some fun games, though, so it seems like it's here to stay. But anything else, Ricky, or should we wrap this up? We can wrap it up. All right. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. If you like what we're doing here at Cash, there's tons of other great podcasts all across Blue Wire Network. Please go check them out. There's a ton of other NBA podcasts and, of course, podcasts all across the sports world. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, whatever. You should be able to find us. Again, looking ahead here, Bulls with the Spurs this weekend. Uh, that game is, I believe, tomorrow. And then the end season tournament final, I believe, is Saturday. And I think Sunday is like a, just like a full NBA off day after the end season tournament. I think then we kind of just get back into the groove here next week. And again, the, the schedule uh, kind of then starts heating up again for the Bulls. So with, I believe, do the Bulls play on Monday? They go to Milwaukee. That's right. So Spurs Friday at Milwaukee on Monday. Maybe the Bulls will get uh, a Bucks team that is on a Vegas, and we'll see if they win the day. If they, if they go and win the in-season, in, in or they go to the in-season tournament final, maybe the Bulls will get a hungover Bucks team on Monday after that, or they just get them hungover anyways. They're in Vegas right now. Maybe they'll stay there a few extra days, and the Bulls will be able to take advantage of them. But anyways, we'll talk again sometime next week when the games start uh, heating up again. Um, but we'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.